Well, hello there, and welcome to the Rock Podcast. Those about the pod, we salute you. In this episode, Brian and I will be talking to the rhythm section of one of our favourite bands, The Karma Effect. It's Liam and Ash. Hey. How you doing, guys? How you doing? Hello. Thanks for having us. Well, you're very welcome. And welcome. Welcome to, well, our humble podcast. Uh, it's nice to see you. Um, you guys have had an amazing summer. Um, I think you've gone from being a band that uh, you know a few people have heard of to a, to a festival regular. Um, and I don't hope you've gained a lot of fans. How has it been for you the last few few weeks, last few months? It's been awesome, man. Like it's been great. It's been a it's been a bit of a, a wild ride, to be honest. We kind of said we've got this little thing that we kind of that we that we that we say quite a lot. You know, when we started this band, we wanted we were looking at pet festival lineups of bands that we that we liked. You know, Revival Black, Scarlet Rebels, all that, and seeing the festivals that they were doing, and. We were like, yeah, in, you know, in five years we can we can be on those Stone Dead, Call of the Wild, Steel House, Love Rocks, all that. If we can just you know tick a few of those off in the next five years, that'd be great. Eighteen months later, we've done them all in one summer, which is pretty which is pretty cool. So uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's been great for in that respect. It's definitely a crazy couple of months we've had, um, especially when you compare to you know some of the festivals we did last year. Like we did Love Rocks. Love Rocks for the first time, wasn't it, Ash? And then last year. And then, you know, that was great. We got a load of new fans from that. And then you compare that to when we turned up this year. You know, we were, we were getting everyone out of the tents this year. And, uh, you know, the whole field was flooded of people, people wearing the Karma shirts, everything. It was just, um, it really has been incredible. What do you put that down to? Because um, for a lot of people, in a way, it's a meteoric rise. You, you did an album back in 2021. You formed in... 2020 um and all of a sudden here you are uh festival regulars loads of fans what do you put it down to guys i think i think for us it's the you know, we, from day one we've, we've always said we're not we're not trying to reinvent the wheel with our music but what we are trying to do is have a good time we have a good we have a great time together we're five best friends creating music that we love playing music that we love in front of people whether there's five people or five thousand people and i think that's really translated and and um kind of resonated with people as well in our in in the last couple of years the sort of good time rock and roll sort of thing that we that we that we have that we go with we're, we're not a political band we're not that we just like to turn up and play great rock and roll music and and have a good time while we do it and 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 yeah i think that's really resonated with people yeah i was going to ask you how did you find uh heading heading up the mountain in your van how how did your clutch hold out in your brakes on, Liam. you yeah, were driving we, mate we just about got there but i mean we we were lucky that we could just bomb it up the right hand side past everyone so i was like right see you later everyone just i was just trying to floor this van up there because i thought if i stop that's game over we ain't getting up this hill but uh yeah we made it it was all right i think we got out of there just before the weather turned too poorly and uh, everyone else got stuck in a field as well so um yeah, it was good fun. It, it, I mean, we were warned about how <laughs> probably getting altitude sickness getting up there, but it was, um, yeah, I didn't quite realise how steep this hill was going to be. But um, yeah, what I mean, what a sight when you get up there as well. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's a, definitely a, a unique spot to put a festival on a few thousand people, definitely. 
Well, you looked. You, you definitely looked out on the weather on the Saturday because it was. It was. Uh, you know, you, you were on early and early early enough in the afternoon, but it, it was compared to the Sunday. Oh, it's <laughs> it, it, honestly, that we were uh, the spectators. We were all standing mm. in the tents. That's right, watching Troy the Red- bands from afar. Troy Redford came on at lunchtime, and uh, it was it was sheeting down, and most of the people were in that in that under that canopy, forty feet away, or forty yards away, I should say, and a few a few diehards on the on the barrier. You started to get a few diehards on the barrier, I noticed. I, I know a few of them, and you probably do too. So moving on from festivals, where did it, where, so where did it all start? As she mentioned, you you were uh, you known Henry and uh, and Liam from school. Um, how did you get together with the rest of the guys? And how did you get going, basically? So we yeah we it's a good it's a great question. Um, I've known Henry and Liam since we were about what 12, 12, 13. Um, when we when we were in secondary school and we all kind of lived around the same area and Liam and Henry were in a kind of different band I was doing my own thing with some other musicians and then it just kind of merged together really throughout secondary school we just kind of started jamming together and the three of us would, would all, we were in we were all three of us were in a band at one point with other members and everything like that but the core has always been me, Henry and Liam. And then me and Henry, or Henry and I went off to university down in Brighton to study music. And that's where we met Robbie in sort of 2013, 2014. Again, he was kind of doing his own thing with other people down there. Um, and yeah, we, you know, we just always stayed in touch you know, through Facebook, social media, all that sort of stuff, kept up with what he was doing. And then when it came to putting a band together, we had these ideas of, you know, we like the sort of bluesy rock, Black Crows, Aerosmith sort of thing. Who's a good guitar player for that? And Henry went, I know the guy. It's Robbie Blake. He is the guy. He is the, the guy to be the guitarist and the karma effect, both in terms of how he looks, how he plays, and how much he drinks as well. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, he's had his hair cut, hasn't he? What's going on with his hair these days? Yeah, so that was a weird one, that. Like, he... Yeah, he he, hair out being like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grow my hair out so much, and then literally the day of the first album release, uh, he's cut all his hair off. So we've got, you know, his face plastered everywhere. It's over the album. It's on t-shirts. People are walking around, and uh, like no one recognises him. I remember he walked past our merch store, and the girls were like, oh, do you want to buy a t-shirt? He's like, that's me on the (laughs) t-shirt. I think he cut it off because we said he all, we all said he started to look a bit like Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead, and uh, yeah, he's got that sort of thing where some people when they grow their hair it kind of grows straight down. His kind of just grew outwards a little bit, so um, you know, like you, like you've got hair, Brian. Come on, sorry. Back yeah. in the day I when I talk. had hair, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Seb's gone the other way, hasn't he? He's grown his hair like ridiculously. Yeah, yeah Seb is. Um, Seb's got he again when we met him about six seven years ago he was this kind of private school boy with the private school haircut and all that sort of stuff and you know playing the piano sat down and we went no 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 if you want to be in this band grow your hair get some get some get some better clothes and uh yeah he's great we know Seb from our like sort of local music scene in um in Surrey and yeah. from a load of open mic nights is when we kind of got to know Seb and he would, he would yeah. get up a couple of tunes and some people, some bluesy tunes and things, and thought, man, he's a he's insane on the keys. Um, mm. So he's definitely a pick, wasn't he? Big time. Gives We're you a nice, it, it, 
it gives you a really, really nice dimension. You know, you, you think about, you know, we've talked about the Black Crows and, you know, the if you look at the Black Crows, you know, off the first album, you know, they, you know, as Ed Hirsch, the keyboard player, it doesn't really become prominent until the second album. Uh, but it beca- when you went to see the Black Crows li- live, I mean, I was lucky to see them early doors, it's such a wall of sound. It's such a nice warm, and it, like, it just gives all the musicians I just a, a, bizarrely a lot more space to move because you've got this nice keyboard. So it, and and the funk as well too, and the groove of your band as well. I know that that that's that's nice as well too. That that's you know when Matt and I were talking about talking about in previous episodes of the show. It, it, it's that it's that early Aerosmith groove that's there and it's not straight out ACDC rock and roll it's got that nice groove to it which you as a rhythm section you must love yeah it's right I mean we get we get some great uh, you know verses together it's like you say it just creates a space Ash is laying down a beat you know me and Ash we're, we're locked in from the get-go I think that's our the strongest point we've 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 had and we've grown that over the years and and you know when you got Seb doing the funky clav over the top of it yeah you just uh, you like this? It sounds quality. Um, I think that's just a, that's just a combination of our of our influences as well. You know, I'm I'm massively influenced from those sort of you know, you talk to any drummer, they're influenced by John Bonham, and it's that sort of heavy hitting funk style or like sort of rock style. You know, but then you've got people later like Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers and mm-hmm. people like that, and and you kind of blend all those influences together. Seb loves people like Stevie Wonder, and that's where the clav things come from. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, Liam, yourself, you're you know, you can t- obviously tell your own influences, but it all comes together in um, in this nice sweet pie. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think of the word, but nice you know, funky pie. Yeah. And when you got yeah. together, because uh, as you, as you've said earlier, and and when you got together as a band, uh, lots of bands can go, uh, you know, one, you know, a number of ways. Let's get to know our sound by playing pubs and lots of covers and then other bands will go actually we're go we're going to get into a rehearsal room uh covid permitting and then become a sound and that's our sound and we'll hone it which which, which way which way worked for you guys it's kind of the latter we we kind of got together once we've you know hen was saying i've got this idea i want to i want to you know i want to start playing music again so at this point the other bands we were in, they were all, you know, they were fizzling out and, and whatever. Um, so we haven't played music in a while. Um, and Hen was like, oh, I've got a really good idea. I want to I want to start doing this bluesy thing. I think he was, he was mainly talking to you, Ash, wasn't he, at the beginning. Um, and it was when you sort of approached the rest of us and said, look, we think you're the guys to, to be in this sort of project with. Um, and we kind of just got in a room. Hen had some ideas. We had, like, the initial... A couple of songs um i think hen had written like testify uh things like that um you know they were they were pretty solid ideas at the time um and then covid hit and we were <laughs> a bit stuck but when it when it was that weird rule of you could have six people outside mm. or whatever it was i remember it was like right we have to get together we have to play some music so we were like well where can we go there's nowhere we can rehearse where we can you know legally get away with this <laughs> And it was a matter of him was like, right, my, my parents have got loads of land out the back. I'm going to set up a gazebo. We're just going to go out into the fields 
we're going to run loads of extension cables for us lot and we're just gonna we're just gonna play we're just gonna see how it goes so there was the five of us just sort of <laughs> we're just just trying ideas out in a field basically and um you know playing his songs playing his little ideas his little riffs his little licks and um yeah and it just we were started trying to like pull it together and it was a matter of trying to get that blend of it i mean going back to keys if the keys weren't there we'd be probably a bit like gnr you know some of the riffs that we mm. do especially you know in songs to come um they're a little bit heavier but with the keys you know it all it gets a bit more funky and it gets a bit more soulful and that's where the groove really comes from and that that we got from playing in a field under a gazebo you know <laughs> amazing yeah, it was certainly an, an unorthodox way to sort of to sort of get a band together, and um, something that we had never experienced before. But I'll be honest with you, I think it's, I really do think it's made us so tight as a group in terms of how close. I mean, we were close anyway as mates, but you know, we've got that shared experience, and it's great stories to tell. We're like, how did you guys get together? Did you did you meet in a playing pubs? No, we played in a garden in Henry's parents' back garden, mm. and. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a great thing. And then when we finally could get in a rehearsal room, that's when the songs really started to come to life. You know, sort of from October of 2020 onwards, that's where we really, we really sort of started to find our feet. And it's such a positive, it's such a positive spin on, on lockdown and COVID because there's a lot, when you think of a lot of established bands who, who are in that album tour, promotion album tour cycle, and when, and whenever they hit, you know, we we we've Matt and I've talked about it. It's it's whenever the the brakes were put on, and you were people had products that they needed to promote to make money on. There's there's actually quite a lot of bands that were scrabbling around to go right. Well, how do we get into? How do we do crowdfunding or how do we do? Uh, paid gigs where people will be in a, a rehearsal room with nobody there trying to make money and and some good bands actually went to the wall um mm. you know during covid uh because they just couldn't keep the machine going and actually what's what's nice about your story is uh through covid and actually that will to keep something going and then go out and 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 you know, take your music out to audiences. It, it's it it's it's bucking the trend a little bit around where, we, where what's happened with bands and and the impact of COVID in the music industry. I think we were in a in a bit of a unique position because we were so brand new. You know, we didn't even have music out really. I think we had. Did we have the three tunes out? No, we didn't. Uh, we didn't have any music out before lockdown. I mean, to be honest. <laughs> it was only really an idea before lockdown. It was like, it was Henry wanted to do a solo project, sort of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers style. Mm. It was actually meant to be a little bit more Americana, a bit more rootsy, that sort of thing. A bit more sort of what we call Heartland rock, that sort of Springsteen, Tom Petty style. Um, and actually I think lockdown came at a bit of a right, it was a, I'd say it was a bit of a blessing in disguise. Obviously it wasn't, it was horrendous time, but um for that, it was great because it allowed him to kind of go away and 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 work and and really hone what he wanted to do. And then it was, I mean, we yeah, as I said, it was an idea floating around before lockdown. And then it was actually when we could get together during that rule of six period. Where it came to <laughs> what uh, what comes across when and and I've seen you a few times 
both in in kind of small venues in and in festivals as we touched upon earlier what comes across is that it, you, you are enjoying it i think you said earlier ash you, you, you it comes across you're enjoying it there's no one kind of hiding in the shadows you just just living the dream really aren't you? you just get up there doing what you what you want to do as you were saying liam just getting that kind of uh, feeling of playing again and if you're up in front of people it must be great you must pinch yourself sometimes to say look wow we've come from uh henry's 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 back garden as it were to uh playing in front of thousands of people and people want to come and beat you and shake your hands and buy your t-shirts i mean it, it is uh it must be must be you know must have kind of pinched yourself and wonder whether you're dreaming at times i guess it is emotional sometimes when you know when you've put so much into something and so many people love it and you're like i'm just playing my songs i'm not even doing covers down the pub mm. you know people love this and just to have the support of you know all those people just just it is unbelievable you know sometimes we can be when we do the breakdowns and we're, you know, the crowd singing back and hens doing the whole Freddie Mercury thing, you know, and, and the crowd singing, you know, it's hard. Sometimes you're holding back tears because you're like, mm. this is just incredible. And um, there is absolutely no feeling in the world that, that tops it. Yeah, completely. And that's why we do the the bit at the start of testify where we get the crowd to sing it back. And you'll always see me walking around with a phone in my hand, filming it, because that's the things that in 50 years we want to look back on. I mean, I don't know if we still have phones in 50 years, you know, I don't know what we'll be doing. I'll probably just be able to get a memory out of my head and just watch it. But, you know, um, we'll, uh, you know, I want to, we want to savor those moments. And that I vividly remember after, after Steelhouse, yeah, it was Steelhouse. We got back to the to the dressing room, and me and Robbie were watching that video that I took on my phone, and we both started kind of getting a bit emotional. And mm. and and like you said, it was a pinch me moment. It was really, really one of those moments where you go, "Wow, that that really was special. That really, really was special." So you mentioned earlier about new music, um, and I believe you've got a new album that's essentially finished, ready to go. Tell us about that, guys. Yeah, new album is all recorded, all mixed, done, ready to go. Um, we've got some really, really exciting plans coming up over the next few months, uh, which are top secret. Oh. Um, but yeah, there is new music on the horizon at some point. We're really, really excited. We, we love these songs. It's it's album one enhanced both in terms of the songwriting, the production, everything. We've just taken it up a gear and yeah, you know, we were really lucky with the crowdfunding process that we had before that, that allowed us to do that, which was great. So we're super grateful to our, to our fans for that. Um, yeah, we're really excited to put this music out and it will be, it will be worth the wait. It feels like we've been saying the same thing for a while. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, but it is, and it will be worth the wait. So have you got a date for the album, Ash? Uh, not as yet. It's still to be, uh, to be confirmed, but it will be at some point in the new year. Um, that's what we can say. Um, yeah, all, all plans regarding release date are still to be confirmed, but it's coming soon. So can you say whether you're touring that next year? 
we will be touring next year. We will be touring next year. We've got a few shows um, and, uh, confirmed already. I don't think they've been announced just yet. But, you know, a few festivals already sorted for next year, which is great. Um, and we're hoping to be to be out on the road quite a bit, which will be amazing. Excellent. We look forward to it. You mentioned touring. You're, you're on tour at the moment, of course, um, of club, club, club gigs, they used to call them back in the day. Uh, how's that going? It's fine. It's, um, I tell you what, it's a weird transition from festival season into doing <clears throat> smaller clubs and things because you don't have the space and everything's a lot hotter. And <laughs> you're like, God, this is, it's, it's, the same amount of fun but on a tighter more intimate scale so it's great because everyone's up in your face it's not like festivals where everyone's miles away and you've got all this space in the world and you've got to utilize the stage and run around with things i mean maybe not you ash but you gotta run around and things like that but then you go to do these smaller spaces and it's it's crazy because we're turning up in you know we did reading the other day and we've never played in reading before but we've got you know a full capacity you know gig and we're like, Christ, these people have turned up again, wearing the shirts, being so supportive and singing the songs back to us as as, as we like to hear. And um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange transition, but um, it takes you back to what, you know, gigging is all about. It's these nitty gritty pubs and clubs and whatever it is. Is that important to you as a band to, to go up the kind of the hard way, as it were, or have you got no choice? Uh, as you say, you've gone from big festivals fairly quickly in your career to now, as you were saying, Liam, the, uh, the kind of more sort of nitty gritty, smaller, sweaty venues. Is that important to you to do that? Yeah, massively. I think you have to do it. And we, as you said, we've been really, really fortunate with the festivals that we've been able to do both last year and this year. Um, but we love those club gigs. You know, it's, it's not for us. It's not a case of our, you know, we're, we're going to go back to doing the, the, the little grimy venues and stuff like that. We love that. We love we love being up close and personal with the fans and playing those shows. Um, it was really funny in, in Reading. We had we had a great show, but the dressing room upstairs, it was essentially another music venue. So it was absolutely enormous. So, you know, if all gigs could be, if all club gigs could be like that, oh, really? that would be fantastic. But um, it, was, it was great. We love doing those shows. We love seeing seeing and meeting people. We just love playing, regardless of whether it's uh, um, to five thousand people at Stone Dead Festival or whether it's to two hundred people at Face Bar in Reading. We love playing, and that's what we we give a hundred percent in every gig. And and it's really nice. There's a real um, in terms of music at the moment in the classic rock um, genre, where you've got the gig that you'll be playing at. Um, at KK Steel Mill, where you've got the uh, the new wave of classic rock live, where there's yourself, Scarlet Rebels, lots of bands that that Matt and I uh, uh, love to to watch, etc. And it's it's I suppose it's really really positive that we have another genre. It's like it's like Nwobum. We're we're old enough to remember Nwobum in the early eighties. Well, Matt is uh, in terms of Diamond Head and Iron Maiden, and and it's sure. it's lovely that post COVID you've got such a, a thriving young uh, rock scene with you know the ba- you know lots of the bands we've just mentioned. The Treatment, who I love, 
um, and 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 you're now putting on many festivals yourself, and, and that'll be a that'll be a great show at KK's Steel Mill. So it's great. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Like we we really can't wait to be a part of that lineup, and we're honoured to have been kind of adopted into the new wave of classic rock family from day one. Really, our first show was at Leo's Red Lion, which is a great established venue mm. on the on the sort of classic rock scene in the UK. And from day one, as I said, they've just taken us in and made us feel part of the family. And we've played some great shows with some fantastic bands. You mentioned Scarlet Rebels, um, Massive Wagons, people like that. You know, we're, we're really excited to play with the treatment there as well. And yeah, we're, it's, it's it's really really cool. It's really great community feel in that in that new wave of classic rock scene. And we like to feel that we bring something different to the table as well. It's not just the same thing. Um, there's all the kind of different almost subgenres within that, and we feel like we're one of them. You know what it is, Bright? It's people like me who've got kids the same age as these guys and brought them up the right way, having gone through Nwabam, and now they're, they're, they're living the dream themselves 40 years later. Right. What, what is Nwabam? So, Ash. What kind of worms have I just opened? Gather, gather round, young Ash <laughs> and young Liam. New, new wave of British heavy metal. So right, oh, okay, that makes sense. That, a, okay, yeah. There was yeah, a yeah. movement, uh, it basically came out of a magazine called Sounds, which is a rock paper in the, in the well, it finished about 92 or something. And it was, uh, basically it was someone very similar to what you were describing earlier. Um, there was a heavy metal uh, Basically, it was a kind of a, 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 a rock and metal version of punk, in a way. People were bored with, you know, 27-minute guitar solos and 18-minute drum solos, with all due respect. And then out of that kind of punky thing was people saying, hey, then I can play guitar. I thought I can play better than them. I'm a fan of Led Zepp, so I'm going to start my own band. Very similar to what's happening at the moment, kind of everyone's... And people have always started bands. It just seems to be at the moment there's a huge number of, of bands coming through, as you say, you know, you, you, we talked earlier about um, Deeds of Liberty, and then you got, as you say, the uh, those damn crows and and Scarlet Rebels and so on. There's just loads. It's great. And I, as I was there back in 1979, 80, I was very young. I was not a baby, of course, toddler. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was very similar, very similar vibe. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great. But yeah, new ever British heavy metal ash. There you go. Cool. Thanks for that. I think it's important to have these groups, though, because, I mean, you know, going back to how we've gotten to where we are is because of these groups like New Wave of Classic Rock, people taking you in. They're such diehard fans, you know, they're so su supportive in, you know, they'll buy anything that you put on the merch mm. table because mm. they want to support you. And I mean, and it helps when your music's pretty good. But, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it's amazing. And these fans, um, you know, they I think all these bands that you, like you've just mentioned they owe something to these groups and mm. you know new wave of classic rock especially um because of the how good the fans are and it's it's, it's what is keeping the music alive I, yeah. I i completely agree and i think the 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 word that you used earlier around community is an important one because you can you could you could pick up amongst your peers a nice package deal you know you could go out with Massive Wagons, The Dust Coda, uh, yourself, and go out. As a, you could put like a, an, e you know, an evening on. If you go back 10 years ago, the only way that it was viable for 
Whitesnake and Journey to come over to the UK and do a, a UK European tour is to go out in a package, chuck thunder in the mix, and then that 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 entices a lot of people to come in. Your peer group at the moment, you could pick, you know, Scarlet Rebels treatment yourselves, th- those damn crows. You could all put nice packages together, and if it works with your cycle of album promotion tour and you know how you're working things it's just it, it becomes a just becomes like a a community where you're going right we can go out and we can we can actually you've got the audience there that will come and see you and and t- i think rock audiences at the moment are taking more of a chance you look at stone dead and steelhouse a lot of the bands that i that i enjoy listening to are really down early in the bill uh, and you're going oh that's interesting Still enjoy Saxon and, you know, Europe, uh, who are the headliners, but bills are becoming interesting. And you'll you'll have noticed yourself, you're not playing to two or three people early in the afternoon. You're getting good crowds that are interested. Yeah, I think I think one of the massive things I noticed the other day is I saw a post on the Stone Dead Facebook page. And uh, obviously this year was their fifth anniversary, which is mad, by the way. Like, mm. in five years, they've come so far. Yeah. That kind of goes on to my point. They shared they shared pictures of the kind of opening band from the first year they did it to, to this year, which I think was uh, Collateral this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, those guys are great. We've played with them a couple of times. They're really, really sound guys, and great for them to do that gig. Um, but I just looked at the pictures, and you look at the first year compared to the fifth year, and that there shows you how strong and, and alive the, the new wave of classic rock community is because it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The stages get bigger, the crowds get bigger, the, you know, it's crazy. The production size gets bigger. It's, it's amazing to see. Yeah. And I think people realise that you, t- you mentioned earlier about putting stuff on the merch t- table and people buying it. I think there's a realisation now that, yeah, we're rock fans, but we also know that you're not going to make money out of uh, Spotify or whatever it is, Amazon, streaming or anything like that the way you and and it's well well known that the way you make money is to sell your own merch whether it's your own albums and tour so people come and see you and they buy the buy the stuff because they want you to be there next year and the year after and so on as you say as you said Liam it helps if you've got good songs ultimately it's all about the songs but uh if you if you kind of package it nicely you've got good merch uh you're a good band you come across well as well I mean you guys are very good at the kind of social media very good at the interaction with people you know, it's it's a perfect formula in a way, um, and you know, you, you I don't think you could go go far wrong with that sort of approach. No, and I think I think what also helps is that you've got this sort of resurgence in things like vinyl and collectibles, mm. and you know, suddenly people want to buy stuff and carry it around at gigs, and they go, "Look what I've picked up! This is amazing!" You know, that's the feeling that you get. I, you know, I. I I never used to buy merch when I went to gigs, but now I, you know I'll always try and get a t-shirt. Like I think one of the last ones I went to, you know, I saw Marcus King up in London. I was like, I haven't never seen Marcus King before. Love all his stuff. I was like, I'm not walking away without a t-shirt at least, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get that feeling now. And and like I say, with things like vinyl, you know, they are a collectible. And I think. Another thing with the community is that I think they can recognise that some of these bands are going to be going somewhere and they like to know that I was one of the first, you know, to have one oh, of these. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, you know, we get the commented a lot being like, oh, I'm going to hold on to this because this is, I want to be 
you know, say oh, I've got a first pressing of you know the Karma Effect album or whatever it is, and it's it's a good feeling. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of that. People do want to be on the first rung because, you know, back in the day, you didn't meet people at gigs. You didn't meet Iron Maiden. You might have met Iron Maiden in the bar kind of early on, but, you know, you didn't meet, didn't meet White Snake or Deep Purple, that sort of thing. And then people, yeah, they, they want to be on the, on the, on the, from the first rung, you know, want to be like, yeah, I discovered these bands. They're my band. And that's where you get, I think it's almost like an obsession. I know people that are obsessed with the karma effect. <laughs> Remain nameless. Cause I'm all caught up again. I doubt she's coming back. She- you've got England, so you've got England and Wales sewn up. You've done festivals this summer. What's next for you in terms of your campaign in the UK and beyond? We're just touring as much as possible now until the end of the year. We've got our tour dates lined up. Um, as you mentioned, we're kind of we're we're in England and Wales. We haven't we we haven't think we've got any shows booked in Scotland or um, or, or Ireland yet. Um, but no, that is Brian's inviting you to Edinburgh. Come up to uh, come up to Bannermans in Edinburgh. It's a fabulous rock it. venue. We want hey, we'll, we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll get on to uh, we'll get on to our people and sort it out. Um, but. Yeah, just touring as much as possible, kind of spreading the word um, about the new, about the first album and the new album, and just trying to trying to keep keep capitalising on the amazing festival season that we've had. You know, the response from the festivals has been amazing, so that's why we kind of booked this tour for the end of the year, so we could capitalise on that, and it's been great. Um, but yeah, just playing and playing and playing as much as possible. I mean. There are a couple of very, very early ideas of new songs floating around. I mean, very early. So, you know, I mean, Henry's great. He's always writing. He's always writing new stuff. So there's there's always ideas floating around. Um, but, yeah, it just, I mean, that keeps us fresh, you know. It, it, we, so. it, no, I, I, and do you know what? It's, it's something that you've said in previous interview, interviews, Ash. It's all about momentum. And I think... Uh, when you look at the the rise in the last two years of you as a band, you're kind of on a Led Zeppelin cycle. You know, when you think about, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, 1969, you know, two albums in one year uh, and, and so many other bands, uh, you know, like to get into production and, and work on one song for six months or whatever. It is nice. It's quite refreshing that a band like yourself comes out with their debut album, tours it, gets gets on festivals, following it up with product as well too, uh, um, and touring it as well. It's great. So I'm not surprised you've said, well, we've got some ideas for our third album because yeah. that, that's kind of what you want bands to be doing, you know? Yeah, and that's, you know, when we first started, our original plan wasn't to put an album out. We wanted to put out like a sort of five-song EP, and our manager, Peter, basically went, don't do that. Just write three more songs, put an album out. Even, even if it takes you like a couple more months, you know, just just rock, put an album out. Because if you want to get these festivals and these gigs that you've mentioned, that's what you need to do. We need to have a, a, a proper sort of body of work to, to submit to these places. And and that's what we did. And, and we didn't rush the first album. We, lo- we love that first album more than anything. It's, it's, it's such a sentimental piece of music for us. And... But that's kind of why we're we're carrying on with that momentum, as you mentioned, because we've seen how 
successful the first album was and we want to build on that we want to just keep going keep going keep going and that's very kind that you compared us to the sort of led zeppelin cycle and i and i think that's that's something that you as you said you don't really see much anymore because i think bands often get stuck in this loop of write an album for a year put it out kind of you know it's like every two three years you'll put an album out and i think that's the thing what's, what's stopping you from putting more out you know yeah I mean, the thing with us is from a work, like how we work, it's, you know, we've been playing those songs probably a year before you've heard them. Yeah. So for yeah. us, we're like, right, we're over the songs. Let's get some more songs out. So by the time the first album came out, everyone was like, oh, right, new music. For us, you know, we've been playing that for ages. So we're like, we're already writing the next one. So it's kind of the audience is on the back foot compared to us because we're like, right, we've, we've done these songs. We've smashed this. Let's just, uh, let's keep writing bangers and just, you know, see where we go. And, um, I think that's how we are always kind of ahead of the curve a little bit. I, I, and but- I think momentum's a massive thing as well in terms of how Henry writes songs. You know, he is one of those people where if he's not inspired to write music, then nothing, will, nothing will really happen. And, and, you almost have to capitalise, or he certainly does capitalise on when he is feeling inspired. So at the moment, the last couple of weeks, he's been feeling really inspired. And he's messaging me every day going, what do you think of this riff? What do you think of this? I've got this idea for a chorus. And I just know that he's in that headspace of of writing music, and it's great. So it's momentum in terms of the whole band and the, the general consensus of what we're doing with putting music out and momentum with the fans but also capitalising on that momentum of being able to write great music. It, it's it's a nice, it, it's, I, I'm, Matt, know, Matt knows me very well. I am the biggest fan of projects. I, you know, miss, I, every time Frontiers seems to put out a project of George Lynch on guitar or, uh, you know, you'll get all of the, the classic rock American AOR guys and they'll all, they'll all end up being in different bands you know the the iconic, which is which Nathan James from, um, I'm glorious. Trying, yeah, and glorious, great singer with with all the old guys from White Snake, great product, but they they'll never tour it. And I think there's been so many supergroups over the last ten years, Black Country Communion, who I love. You know, Joe Bonamassa, Glenn Hughes, and 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 they don't they're not able to back it up either economically or the, just the sales of the albums. So it's actually nice in some ways with, with where we are with the with what you're doing is you can play live, you really want to play live, uh, and you'll, you're out supporting your product and you're, you're, you're actively, as Matt says, doing it the hard way, playing in clubs, getting on festivals. And that's what we want as consumers. It's like, I actually really like this band and I get a chance to go and see them as well too, which is fab. Well, playing live, you know, that's that's the bread and butter. That's that's what we love. And, um, you know, for me personally, I don't know about you, Ash, I mean, I hate being in the studio. I hate, I hate sitting down, having red light fever, thinking I've got to record this right. And, you know, I hate that pressure. I, I'm much more comfortable playing in front of people and, you know, being sweaty as hell and just playing a loud show. And I think we're all kind of in that position. And that's, again, that's another reason why we do it. We wouldn't, we do the gigs. We don't do the albums, you know, we play the music for the for you guys and, 
and everyone else. And um, it's good to have music out, uh, obviously. I think it's important that people can buy it and keep it forever. But the for me personally, I think it's the live shows. That's where you know, well, everything everything comes alive, doesn't it? And um, well, and you, you made a really good point there, Liam. It's a live show it's not us getting on stage playing the songs exactly how you hear them on the record we alter things we change things we we kind of add intros outros extra guitar solos you know sing-along sections and that for us is what we love doing it's it's taking what we've already got as a, as a sort of body of work from the studio and thinking how can we make this translate to a live setting so we're not just coming out on stage going I with the karma effect, this is mercy and playing it note for note perfect, which is fine. But it's a show, you know. Henry's a great comes- front man, so why would you want him to just <laughs> not be a front man? I think that comes with uh, you know, our preparation is when we're in a rehearsal room and when we've got some gigs coming up, you know, we go in a rehearsal room to write songs, but then we might go, right, we've got a couple of big gigs coming up, we should we we should rehearse. But it's not a matter of we'll go out as ash says and we'll just we'll play you some songs we want to go out and go give the people what they paid for they want a show let's give these people a show so in the rehearsal room you know we're not just standing around playing the songs ash and i might be writing a a bass and drum beat that we can do that hen can do some audience you know crowd participation stuff over or you know what songs coming up next can we do some some bits while hen's you know speaking to the crowd or you know, Seb's doing some funky stuff on the keys. Is it, you know, how can we fill the space and 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 keep the show alive for as long as we're playing for so that people are constantly engaged? They're not stopping going, oh, that was one song down. Let's, let's hear another one. It's just one, like, wall of greatness is what we want to do. You, know? <laughs> you want to, we just want to keep it going. And, and we're having such a good time doing it as well. And that's... And especially with the the crowd uh, participation stuff, it's you know that's where I'm like, wow, these people are amazing. You know, they're you're with the band. You know, you're with us. You're enjoying it as much as I am, and that's that's what I love to see when I'm when I'm up there. Yeah, and I think that's amazing. Sorry. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have. Incredible. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of, and the show is constantly evolving as well. So bits that you hear kind of that, that intro section for the river that we do where Henry does the sort of crowd participation, um, back uh, call and response thing. We never did that to start with. It was just a bit of a jam into the song. And I think he just did it one gig. He, he turned around to me and went, just keep it going, keep it going. I'm fit. I'm, I'm vibe. We just vibe it. And you see yeah. what feels good in the moment. You can never translate exactly in a rehearsal room, how it's going to feel on the night of a show. I remember so that constant evolution. With that song as well, one of my favourite things is the fact that after we've done the solo and everything, and Hen comes back in with it, <laughs> um, there's a, there was a brief stop, but then I think Hen, I don't know, mucked up what he was doing, but just didn't didn't play anything, and the crowd's going, oh, you know, going wild, and we're like, we should keep doing this, we should keep this stop here and do it, and let the crowd go crazy, and then come back into it, you know, there's things like that. It's just, you know, it's fun. Yeah, uh, but but that it probably means as well too. You can change things up, and as you know, if you're playing, if you're playing a gig and you're you know vibing off the audience, and you're going right, okay, th- these guys are up for it. Let's let's change things up. We'll we'll change the set and bring things about. Uh, and and how many you know. I'm I'm a big fan of Setlist FM, so I c- I can if I'm going to see a big 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 band, I'll go right. 
All right, well, they, they finish all my favourite songs by song 13. I'll jump in the car and I'll be home by 10 o'clock. I can imagine with the likes of yourselves, you, if, if, you're, if you're feeling a particular song or if, if Henry's if Hen, Hen's voice is going, oh, I'm really feeling it now, let's stick such and such a song in or, you know, just change things around. You're, an or, you're, you're organic. You're a band, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and a prime example of that is when we did Stone Dead a couple of weeks ago. We... We were obviously rushed off stage due to the storm. Um, so we, we think we got halfway through our fourth or fifth song. And, you know, obviously off stage we're going, oh, are we going back on, oh, aren't we, blah, blah, blah. The guys were fantastic. Hats off to the Stone Dead crew for allowing us to come back on and do that. That was really, really um, amazing. And we went back on and and we had, uh, I think we started with Better Days, which is a sort of old, new song. Um, and... Then it was going to be stand, steal your heart, and testify to finish. And basically, we finished the first song, and everyone was kind of vibing it. And we went, we've got to switch it up. We've got to yeah. keep the momentum going. So we did steal your heart instead, and we just shifted it around. I think, you know, without blowing our own trumpet, we are very good at feeling that and kind of eyeing up what the audience wants, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's excellent. You don't, as Brian was saying, you don't necessarily want bands that are sticking to the same set list night in, night out, and just Pearl Jam are a great example, aren't they? Just they mix things up and do different set lists and jam stuff and and, and all sorts going on. It's yeah, I think as you say, it keeps it keeps it fresh, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think one one thing about us being a completely live band is you know we don't run clips, we don't run backing tracks, and that gives us the freedom to do that. Um, it gives us the freedom to alter the set list and elongate certain sections if we need to if henry is if henry's just sung a, a, a harsh chorus and is he needs a bit of a breather we can elongate a section by by about 16 more bars if we need to if he needs a drink you know we're not restricted to that set in that sense so it's, it's quite nice to be able to do that stan's a good song for that because we you know it's quite it's a slower song it's a bit of a softer song and yeah. You know, we have an intro for that. We just, you know, we'll play the intro for that. We can keep that going for as long as we need. I think that's a good one for us because we that's a slow one of our set that we, we all suddenly go, right, we'll just, can we just do this for a couple more minutes so we can just <laughs> catch a breath? Yeah. Just keep yeah. playing keys, Seb. Just yeah. keep going, Seb. Just keep going. <laughs> and then, you know, the key solo, Seb might be just on one that day and we're like, yeah, let's just... Yeah, go ahead, mate. Just keep going, <laughs> you know, and the crowd loves it. And then, you know, we, the, the great thing is, is that we've been playing together so long, whether it's in this band or other bands that, you know, especially Ash and I, we literally can, we know what each other are doing. We know when we're coming in. We know you, we get that feeling about each other. We know when, I know when Ash is going to do a fill. Like, you know, I know, I can, I can just feel it. You know, I can feel when a stop's coming. I can feel we're about to do a build up into something, you know, even if it's all new, it's just, it's, it's the experience of playing together. A little bird once told me the truth is always hard to confess. So, so with a rhythm section and you're the rhythm section, who do you see as, uh, out there at the moment as a rhythm sections that you would go, that's what we want to be like and who out there at the moment impresses you that's playing live as 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 a rhythm section i mean for me um rhythm sections are 
the the sort of heartbeat, the engine of a band. I mean, we, me and Liam have got this sort of running joke where we absolutely love uh, we love people like John Mayer and you know people like that. But um, yeah, you know the John Mayer trio. We got Steve Jordan and Pino Palladino as the <laughs> rhythm section. I mean, I mean, that is just filthy, really, you isn't it? Felt that for me, I think. Yeah. And that's, but that, you know, that what they might be, pl- what they're playing might not be technically that difficult, or I don't really know, but it's it just that you that. can feel, you can almost feel the eye contact through the yeah. record. Yeah. You can feel the fact that they're just vibing it, the two of them. He's standing there just, you know, with his sunglasses on as he does. Steve Jordan's just vibing it, and they just, they'd love it. Um, and then you've, but then you've also got, as I mentioned earlier, you've got the likes of Chad Smith and Flea and people like that. Um, uh, go on, Liam. <laughs> I just say I completely agree. I mean, it's just, I'm just, I'm, I'm now just only thinking about Pino Palladino because, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who would be your, uh, who, who would you like to tour with? If you could open for anyone, you mentioned a few, John Mayer. Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, Pepper. if it's gonna if it's gonna be any band, I think I think we'd all say it's gonna be Aerosmith. I mean, there is there is literally a there is literally a tour going on in America right now with yeah. Aerosmith and the Black Crow. So if we could jump on that and do fifteen minutes to start with, that'd be wicked. Yeah. You'd take that, would you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, any day of the week. But I mean, it. You know, we we you could say it. I mean, anyone really. It's it's great. We just love playing, and I know that's a bit of a sort of cop out answer, but it doesn't matter if it's Aerosmith or whoever. I mean, to be fair, I would have loved to trade places with uh, the Dust Coder and played with GNR. That yeah, that would have been cool. Um, I would I would love that one. Yeah. yeah, we love the likes of Dirty Honey as well. So if Dirty Honey were to ever come over here, and we would love to play with them, um, or, or or us go over there and play with play with those guys, they're great. And there's another band, sort of youngish band called the Struts. Yep. who are pretty cool. Um, we like them. There's another band just coming up in America called The Bites, who are really mm-hmm. wicked, got that sort of glam vibe. They're really, really cool. Um, yeah, Skindred have just announced a show at Wembley Arena, so that'd be nice. <laughs> well, well, we'll see what we can do. We'll put it out there. <laughs> we'll have a word with Benji and uh, see, see what he says. Yeah, they were amazing at uh, Made of Stone, by the way. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get down to that one unfortunately. We were we were, um yeah, we couldn't get to that one, but we heard great things. Yeah, incredible. Heard it was another wet one. Was yeah, it yeah, had a bit of rain. It was it was one of those strange weekends where, you know, one minute it's sun cream, next minute it's put the umbrella up sort of thing, but uh, nowhere near as as hor- horrendous as the weather at uh, at Steelhouse. I mean, that's just amazing. Horrible. Never to be repeated, fortunately. Um, so you, you talked you talked about touring with uh, well, the dream of touring with Aerosmith, Dirty Honey, or whatever, whatever it might be. Where where do you want to take this? I mean, you mentioned America, uh, Ash. Um, I mean, where do you where do you do you see America as a as a, an opportunity for you guys? Absolutely, I think America is um, a place for us that we would really love to go to and take our sound because i think we've got a very american sort of sound uh it is that bluesy rock vintage classic rock sound that that would do really well out there i think um and robbie who's visited america quite a lot has said on a number of occasions that we need to get out there because people people love it and pe- and people people pay attention to that i mean you've only got to look at the likes of dirty honey who are you know 
flying the flag for the new wave of classic rock over in America. Yep. They are touring constantly, playing amazing shows, opening for Kiss, Guns N' Roses, whoever it may be. Um, but, yeah, America would be great. Europe would be great, sort of mainland Europe. Um, we'd love to get over to the likes of sort of um, Germany, Spain, France, that sort of area, um, and even up into sort of Scandinavia, um, Sweden, Denmark, those sort of places. Anywhere, really. Anywhere that will have us. <laughs> no, it's, it's great because we've we've shipped, you know, vinyls and CDs and T-shirts out to all of these places, so we know the people are there. It's just uh, it's just getting the opportunity to get there and, and play for them, um, which is great. So, I mean, it's a financial question, of course, isn't there? Well, mm. Ultimately, at the base of all this, I remember talking to the guys from um, Scarlet Rebels, and they were saying that the dream, the, the, the dream it's all about kind of breaking even at this stage covering your costs yeah and, and then and then kind of building from there because as you say you know going off to america is uh it's a great idea but there's a huge amount of cost goes into doing a half hour slot in um you know 20 different 20 different cities around uh, various states yeah it's all good until you've uh, got no clothes or guitars left because you sold them all to get around. But um, exactly, <laughs> yeah, I think that is, is the key point. Is you know, it's got to be viable. I mean, we've we've been offered, you know, some opportunities in in Europe, um, but for us, you know, we've we've still got a fan base to grow over here. For us, it's not it's not all about saying, look what we've done. It's all about look where we are, come see us play. You know, that's that's what we're about at the moment. This is going back to, you know, why we play all the, the clubs and things. And it's because we have to. It's it's where the people are. It's how you grow fans. It's, it's, it's all well and good, you know, going out and playing these huge festivals. And, it, yeah, it's great because people, you're hitting a wide audience of people that hopefully are going to come away and go, oh, those guys are great. But, you know, there's plenty of pockets out there. You know, Reading the other day is a prime example. You know, we we went down a storm, and um, like I say, we never played there before, and we're hoping that's going to be the same throughout the tour. You know, and that's that's what you've got to do as a as a band to to grow organically, and and you know, get that fan base, and then when you've got that support, you know, maybe you can then start thinking about right, well, let's go Spain, let's go Germany, let's let's you know branch out a little bit more. Yeah, and I think for us, one thing that we've always done from the get-go is take each day as it comes, take everything as it comes. We never really look too far ahead. Maybe we should be looking a bit further ahead, but we, you know, we are. We've got plans in the pipeline. But in terms of live shows, we just, we're just we happy with what we're doing and, 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 and we take it as it comes. That's why, in terms of writing new music, it's always just there because it's it feels natural. So it's, it comes with the territory or it kind of comes as it, as it comes as such. So where can people see you on tour, Ash, in the next few weeks? Uh, so we are going to be playing on the 16th of September. We are going to be in Hull uh, the night after. We're going to be in Stoke. We've got shows at the end of September at the Brickmakers in Norwich, which is a great venue. We played there uh, last year with Massive, who are great, great guys. Um New Wave of Classic Rock Fest, as you mentioned earlier, the night after, 23rd of September. We've got a show in Wolverhampton in October, and then all throughout November, we're um, we're playing in Great Yarmouth, 
Uh, we've got uh, a, an amazing show linked to the Steelhouse, um, sort of what they call the Steelhouse Away Day, yeah. with Kira Mack, um, Troy Redfern, and Dan Byrne, which will be amazing. That's on the 10th of November at the Tram Shed in Cardiff, which we are buzzing for. And then we were also doing like a, a TMR fest. So our management, it, um, our management group kind of putting on a, a, a night in Bradford on the um, 11th of November for all their artists, which is great. 24th of November, we are at the Black Prince in Northampton. And then our last show of the year is the 25th of November at the Sound House in Leicester. Wow. Excellent. It's quite a UK tour. Yeah, it's great. You know, it's it's quite spread out. It's quite spread out because, you know, just, just due to other commitments and everything like that. And also because we want to make, we want to make the most of it. And, and we've, and we are, we are aware that if we were to play in Stoke on a Tuesday night, we might not draw the same crowd as we would on a Saturday. So yeah. you have to think logically about these things at the stage we're at. But we just, again, we're just excited to get out playing as much as possible. Uh, when when you when you guys are on tour, uh, do you have any rules so that if if you're the you know if somebody's driving, they they're the one that owns the Spotify playlist. You know, if you're good, if you what what do you what do you, what do you have to to deal with as a band? What are your rules when you're in the tour bus? I don't know. It's a bit of a free for all with us. I think. <laughs> um, I don't know. Ash, have we got any rules? I don't think there's any rules as such. I mean, there are there are some sort of stipulations and um, there are some things that are sort of frowned upon, as you know. It's but it, we you know we we all try and sort of maintain a healthy kind of life, relatively healthy lifestyle when you're on the road. There's only so much you can do, but you know, there's only so much McDonald's you can eat at two a.m. Yeah, you know, and. Yeah, I mean, whoever is driving is usually in charge of the music or the radio, and that's fine. But the good thing is we've all got a very similar um, taste in music, um, which is great. And until and, uh, Robbie, Robbie and Seb, when they're up front, it's just country music, though. That's the thing. Yeah. They just love country music. So we'll be driving back at like 3 o'clock in the morning from somewhere, and it'll just be country music for like four hours. <laughs> There's only so much you can tell. I love country music, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it is one of them. Um, don't think there's any real rules. Uh, I think one thing that we are quite firm on, it's not really a funny rule, it's actually more kind of a, a, a general thing as just to kind of keep the peace, is it's just respect each other's space, really. You know, we, we all love a laugh. We, we are all five best mates, and we have a proper laugh when we're on the road. But there are times when you just want to unwind, and you yeah. want to just chill, and you want to put a podcast on. For those about to pod, you know, we all listen to that. And um, you better, you, know, you better from now on, <laughs> you know, it and I think it's just respecting that and and not, you know, drawing or shaving people's eyebrows off if they're asleep and stuff like that. You know, we're not we're not about that. It's we're there to, to, to do our job and, and, and save have, that for the stag fun. weekend, Ash. Hmm? Save yeah. that for the stag weekends. Yeah, exactly. Oh, we missed that. Joke. Henry got married earlier this year. We should have done that. So Liam and Ash from the Karma Effect, we thank you very much for joining us. We've had a great time on For Those About the Pod. We salute you, the the interview show. Um, we wish you well on the tour. We wish you well with the new album. Um, we're looking forward to hearing it in the new year. And uh, we wish you well with everything in the future. You've got a, a, hopefully a fantastic future ahead of you and uh, all the best. And again, thanks again for joining me and Brian. And For Those About the Pod, we salute you. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks. Cheers.
Those Bad Pod, we salute you as a Maley Rogers production.